Welcome back to the D3 Golf Guys podcast. We've had a great week, but what's even better is it's Masters week. But before we get into that, let's quickly touch base on a little bit of the rankings. Not a ton of movement. A couple of things we want to call out on the ladies' side. We noticed that center up to third. We had a few of the teams that we weren't really sure about. They started to sift back a little bit. That's what we expected. Uh, on the men's side, Guilford's dropped down a little bit after the performance they had at Golf Week. Methodist is now number one. I, I, Guilford's still three. Nothing really big there. It doesn't mean a ton. I, I think Methodist has performed the best as a team throughout the early part of this season. So I think it's more than justified. But if I'm Guilford, great. I don't really care. It's, it comes down to if you're in the top five, you got a chance to win nationals. So with that being said, I'd like to start now by having a little talk about the Masters. That's right. Hello again, friends, and welcome to Masters Week here at D3 Golf Guys. We're going to talk a little bit about my experience at the Masters. I really want to get your guys' reactions, but I want to talk a little bit about it. And some of the fun things that have happened to me based around Division Three golf and the Masters. So, my first story is about being a goofy freshman. And as many of us know, uh, goofy freshmen will do and say just about anything. Um, For those of you that are freshmen and are offended, I'm sorry, but that's pretty true. And, And you can just ask the older classmen who used to be freshmen that it is true. So I was very lucky uh, my freshman year in college that my dad had an extra ticket to the Masters on Saturday, which was 1996. So this was the Saturday before Norman choked and blew up on Sunday to let Faldo win in 96. Um, Got to go to the course. Um, It was really great. We walked around, watched John Daly and and, uh, Craig Stadler just anxiously waiting for the slow players in front of them to just take one step off the green and their balls were landing on the green. It was absolutely laugh out loud, right? But the funny part about that day was, and this was in 96, you get a little closer. The the crowds were not nearly as robust back then. But I'm on 17T and we're standing there watching this as we're kind of doing our first loop around to walk the golf course. And the great Bob Estes is on the tee and you know, Bob was a great player and was, you know, one of the top guys at the time and playing on the weekend and everything else. And so me, the goofy freshman golfer, is standing within about six feet of Bob Estes as he's playing number 17. Now, remember 96 on 17, the Eisenhower tree was still there in the fairway. And I think Bob had about a four wood in his hand. And so Bob gets back and, and he steps in and he he kind of hits this forward, a little healy, kind of squirrely, about, you know, 200 yards directly into the Eisenhower tree. And for those of you, you young golfers out there, when you're at the pro tournament, just clap. I learned my lesson the hard way. <laughs> I looked at my dad and very pretty much matter-of-factly and loud enough that Bob could hear me go, well, I could do that, <laughs> which... Uh, As I looked up, uh, Mr. Bob Estes was turned around staring at me with the death stare of a thousand eyes. And then the idiot freshman in me came out and said, well, I could with my hands up. 
which was an absolutely laugh outright. Bob walked off. He was fine. It was just, you know, some silly punk kid in the, in the crowd. And to this day, I still claim, hey, hit that forward like 265 up over the Eisenhower tree, and I'm going to start clapping like, wow, awesome. But you kind of skank one into the Eisenhower tree, and, uh, you know, the, the idiot golfer in me comes out. Why do I tell this story? One, because I think it's funny. Uh, two, it goes to show you, freshmen, you do sound like that. So, you know, when the older guys and coaches tell you, hey, maybe you should just kind of keep a lid on it, you should probably listen to them. Uh, but three is, look, even the pros sometimes will miss a shot. It didn't mean that I was nearly close to the same level as Bob Estes. Uh, but it goes to show you that they don't show that one on TV. And so as much as I love to watch golf on television, you know, we had a joke in college that, you know, they wouldn't show it if it didn't go in. And I, I say that to those of you who haven't dove into books like uh, Every Shot Counts and things to where you understand the true percentages. So, you know, if, if you're hitting 16 greens, you're not going to make 16 birdie putts. Like that statistically, that doesn't work. And, and if I need to get some backup, I'll call my couple of my guys up at uh, Carnegie Mellon, who are my math guys, who can help prove that, uh, that the statistically you're, you're just not going to make that many. Um, but, you know, as, as you go down this path as a college golfer and as, as an amateur golfer, you know, even the best guys don't hit every shot perfect. And I think one of the best things that the Masters has done is that you can watch so much additional coverage that's not on TV. And you can watch guys play their entire round. And they do miss shots. And now they miss them better than you and I most of the time. And they miss them in way better spots. Uh, and I haven't seen them toe hook one into the uh, into the patrons 50 feet of, in front of them ever. Uh, unless, of course, it was like Gene Saracen back in the day when he was the honorary starter. But, but point out that, look, if you're there live, they're human beings. You can be that same way. Um, so if you hit a bad one, don't worry about it. Just go up. And by the way, Bob Estes, I think he made par or bogey on that hole anyway, which we would all love to have done. And I would happily go play 17 at Augusta and hit one low and skanky into a tree and then make, let me make par or bogey. So that's my first one about me being a goofy freshman there. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's always interesting. The other great story that I like to talk t- tell about Masters time is... Back in my day, Emory University used to host a spring tournament at a golf course in northeast Georgia called Royal Lakes. And several of us kind of affectionately called it the Division Three Masters. Mostly because at Royal Lakes, and this is, has since gone through a big makeover. So this is, you had to have been there before the, the mid-2000s, I believe. But back then, they had some of the most severe, undulating, sloped greens that we ever found. And I mean, it was one of those things where you're hitting a six footer and you're trying to trying to just softly back it down the slope so that you can just tap it in. And it was very severe. And when they got the greens running really fast, which they tended to do before our spring tournament, um, it could get a little crazy. The best was, is we were actually there playing a practice round the one day and we were always going on the putting green. The putting green had some really great slopes where we could just mess around and like literally you're hitting balls that would roll up past the hole to try to back them down into the hole. And then one day, several of us got there, and Billy Andrade, a Georgia guy, is is on the putting green. And I, I didn't recognize him because I was also a goofy basketball player. But 
one of the guys recognized him and was like, whoa, what, what are you doing here? And he goes, oh, I always come here before I go play Augusta. This has got like the same kinds of slope that they have there. And so it was always fun for us to kind of go, all right, well, if Billy, it's good enough for Billy Andrade. I guess it's good enough for us. So that's one of the things that I always liked was Emory used to host that tournament. We always you know, affectionately called it the Division Three Masters. But, you know, as you go to Masters Week, it's just, it's a great time of the year for golf. I know a lot of people are getting ready to go out and play. If you ever do get the chance to go to Augusta National, I've been lucky enough to be there five times. Um, it is a super, super special place. Uh, if, if you ever get the chance to go, um, walk the course. It, it, you'll be exhausted, but you're usually on cloud nine being there anyway that it's okay. Um, but I think that's the thing I, that when I look at things that, hap- that are going to happen this week, you don't appreciate the amount of hills that are out there and how tough of a walk it is. Um, and so, like, if the first time you go, walk the course, and you'll be tired after the first time around. You want to go sit someplace. Um, you know, there's a lot of things other people have talked about, but I think the other cool thing there for somebody my age is there's no cell phones. So those are the younger guys, and, and I've gone, I've been lucky enough to go that many times. I've had a few younger younger people with me. And we had to go back to the old days of, like, all right, if we get split up, meet at this tree... At 4.30, <laughs> uh, which some of you guys would be in really big trouble because you don't have a watch on either. So huh, there are clocks around there, but <laughs> most people use their phones now for their clock, for their watch. But I think that's one of the other cool things about Augusta National is it's, it's, a, it's a throwback. And it's a really great place to be able to go and experience the game. But, you know, as, as I also look at it, if look at the premiums that it puts on the players. And I think that's one of the things that as you watch, and, and I strongly encourage people to watch the driving range show before, before uh, the tournaments, because those guys practicing is the coolest thing in the world, because you will watch how they practice and how they prepare. And you, you'll watch them. They're not out there ripping driver. Well, with the, except this year with the exception of Bryson, but most of them are working on, you know, controlling their ball flight, controlling their spin, uh, controlling the, the trajectory. And I think that's a lesson for all of us to learn as we go down this path is, hey, it, at, at these kinds of golf places, and really this is a good lesson for everybody to take no matter where you play. You can play at your local muni, but are you in control of your golf ball? And I think a lot of times as I've been out on, you know, in the Division Three world and, and watched guys play and coached, I see a lot of guys who hit really great, stock seven irons but a lot of times that doesn't you know there's very little times you're going to hit a stock seven iron out there and i think it shows you to say hey look you've got to be able to control your trajectory and it's not about how far you hit it it's about are you hitting it the right distance the right approach with the right trajectory with the right spin and so i i always think that this tournament brings that out the best because you can look at uh, 13, which is a great example. You know, guys are going for it in two, but if you don't do it the right way, you can pretty much guarantee yourself par without making eagle. And then one of my favorites is when they put the pin on the top shelf back there. And then you watch guys who lay up have to hit the wedge in there. And they just struggle to skip one back in there and not spin it. And I think that's, 
th- those are the kinds of lessons that as I as I somebody who's been around for a little longer than probably most of my listeners is that's the the lesson you should be learning this week is control your golf ball as much as possible or learn or work to control your golf ball. The other piece that I love about Augusta National that brings out, you know, something really important, which is it doesn't really matter how you curve the golf ball. I, you can hit a draw and win. You can hit a fade and win. We've had lefties, righties hitting at both directions. It, but what it does put a premium on is do you know where your golf ball's going? And I think that's one of those things to where when you watch the tournament like at a place like this where the premium is you've got to hit the ball on the correct side of the hole or in the right spot. I think that really exposes a lot that we don't talk about nearly enough. And I remember I've had conversations with guys that are like, I, I, I can't fade the ball or I really want to draw the ball. And I'm like, you know, why? 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 What is it? What does that matter? Tell me where you're going to hit it and hit it there. And I think that's one of the things is, is we try to kind of expand a little bit about what we're talking about here on D3 Golf Guys is, do you know where your golf ball is going? And do you know where your miss is? And I think that's really important because if you if you listen to any of the previews and all the guys talking, especially when it's going to be early on this week and tonight recording this podcast is Wednesday night, tomorrow that golf course is going to be hard and fast. And when you do that, you really have to control your golf ball. And so I think that's, as a Division three guy, you know, we're not to the same level as the PGA professionals out there. But it doesn't mean that we can't take those same lessons. And, I, you know, the lessons of, of, hey, when the pin is right on 13, you, you can't be right of that pin. It doesn't really matter if you had a draw or a fade in there. It just means you got to know where your miss is with whatever club swing stance you have. And I think that's one of the things that as we, you know, I put this podcast out, I wanted to give you some stuff to, one, make you laugh and, to give you some things to think about while you're watching the tournament and say, how do I take this and apply it to my own game? It's one of the things that I think we don't do enough of to say, look, I'm not going to be able to hit it as far as Bryson DeChambeau or as accurately as Colin Morikawa. But what those guys are doing or what they're trying to do is that something that I should be trying to do in my game. And I think as you think about that, you know, where do you want to be? Where does the miss? I think Phil really talked really well about shot dispersion in his interview earlier this week. You know, he was talking about for a lefty, for a left-hander, our shot dispersion is, you know, the weak one goes short and left, my long one goes long and right. So 12 really is easier for a left-handed player. He goes, but 11 is ridiculously hard for him because if I come out of it a little bit, it goes short and left in the water. And if I pull it and it goes a little long, I'm long and past the bunker and don't want to be there either. And so, you know, as, as technology continues to improve, and, and you don't really need a track man to do this. You just need to be honest with yourself and say, hey, what's my shot dispersion? And most people, your shot dispersion is weak and short to the open side of you and long and hard on the closer side of you. So for a right-handed player, it's short and right and long and left. And for a left-handed player, it's short and left and long and right. But as you start to understand that, and that's one of the things that 
you know, I really wanted you guys to all hear and take out of that to say, oh, do I understand my game enough that I know when's a green light pin versus a yellow pin versus a red pin? And I think that's one of those things that a lot of the good programs talk about, but I'm trying to help grow all of us in Division Three to say, you know, understand who you are, understand your misses and what you're good at and what you're not good at. I think Augusta brings that out over most people. Uh, what I think the one of the best examples of that was Zach Johnson. Didn't go for a single par five and two, won the tournament. He knew who he was. He knew what he had to do to be at his best self. He he didn't try to do it because hey, well everybody goes for it on thirteen, right? But that's not who he is. And I think Augusta National does probably the best of anybody of forcing you to play to your strengths and punishing you if you don't. Uh, just because of how the golf course is set up, how the golf course is sloped, how fast and firm the golf course can run. Now, you know, we watched in the fall, it was soft and very different. It was way more gettable. That's not going to happen this year. So I'm really excited for, you know, the tournament. and I'll be sitting and watching. I'll be live streaming everything as much as I possibly can. Um, which is a huge advantage to you guys nowadays. I remember back in my day, we we uh, were coming back from a golf course that was maybe an hour and a half to two hours away from campus, and it was the Masters was on, and we we like coach, coach, we gotta stop, we gotta stop, we gotta watch, because uh, I think we were able to listen on the radio. Um, ra- the radio is the thing in the car that actually plays on the FM or the AM dial. Sorry, that's for the younger crew that that listens to this podcast um, on on their phone. But uh, we stopped at a restaurant. I think we sat there for, I don't know, a good two or three hours just watching the golf. And like we had to convince the waitress, yeah, can you put it on the golf? She's looking at us like, what? The where? Who? Yeah, can you put the volume on for us? Uh, uh, we were in the middle of, uh, I don't know, North Georgia or southern, Southeast Tennessee. I can't remember. Actually, it was Southeast Tennessee. I do remember exactly where we were. Um but, you know, as as you guys listen to this podcast, uh, you know, shout us out on Twitter. Want to hear sort of your stories. Uh, put something in there. Give, give us a good story about, you know, where were you when you watching the Masters for Division Three golf? Or did you guys do anything special as a team? Uh, whether you're a current player or, or a past player or a coach or just a big fan. Uh, tell us how D3 golf and the Masters sort of intersected for you. Uh, with that, it, we'll keep it a little short tonight. I'm excited for the tournament tomorrow. I hope you all enjoy this. Uh, let us know. Give us some feedback. We'll get back into the tournament results and rankings here soon, but we want to kind of start doing a little bit more uh, conversations and some more interviews as we get down into it, a little less uh, reading of all the results. But we'll still make sure we have a good results uh, pod and, and, and check in on the rankings occasionally. Until then, hit them straight. Cheers. Cheers.